Welcome to the Clifford Chance podcast, where our experts discuss pressing issues and trends faced by the business world today. Hi, everyone. My name is Rob Tang, and I'm a counsel based in the Sydney office of Clifford Chance, specialising in international arbitration. And I'm Daniel Forster, a senior associate in the Sydney office of Clifford Chance. I specialise in cross-border disputes, including international arbitration. This is the first episode of Clifford Chance's Australian Arbitration Podcast Series. In today's episode, we will be looking at the arbitrability of disputes which arise in connection with the external administration of corporations in Australia. Given this is still a fertile area of the law, our discussion today is at a general level and should not be relied upon as legal advice. Instead, we hope our thoughts could spark a broader discussion amongst our listeners. So Daniel, what do we mean when we talk about arbitrability? Well, arbitrability is concerned with determining which types of disputes are capable of being resolved by arbitration and which belong exclusively to the domain of the courts. While almost all disputes should be capable of being resolved through arbitration, there are still certain types of disputes which are generally reserved for national courts. What is arbitrable is generally dictated by a particular country's political, social and economic policy. Right. So disputes concerning employment, consumers and civil rights issues usually fall into the category of disputes, which need to be resolved by the courts. And usually... This is to protect a perceived or actual weakness in the bargaining power by one of the parties. Yeah. And there's also other public issues which fall into this category, such as patents, trademark, copyright disputes, antitrust, some securities disputes, bribery, corruption, fraud, and natural resources. But of course, disputes don't always neatly fit into categories, and nor should they. It is important to look at the details of the particular dispute you are dealing with to figure out whether it will be arbitrable or not. I agree. In Australia, at least, the issue of arbitrability requires an assessment as to whether there is a sufficient element of legitimate public interest in the relevant subject matter of a dispute, so as to render it inappropriate to allow that dispute to be resolved outside the court system. In other words, you need to determine whether the dispute truly concerns interests beyond those of the parties or whether such interests sufficiently concern matters of public policy. That's right. A good example of why you can't just group all disputes into categories is the evolution of the arbitrability of claims under the former Trade Practices Act, current Australian consumer law, such as claims for misleading and deceptive conduct. The position in Australia shifted away from the view that the parties could not have intended to refer statutory claims under the Trade Practices Act to arbitration, such as in the well-known High Thirk case, to the more liberal approach we see today um, concerning the construction of arbitration agreements. Yes, and that's based on the presumption that parties do not want their disputes split across different forums. We have seen examples of this in the Commendate and Reinhardt decisions over the years, and I think at the heart of the issue is that commercial parties want sensible commercial solutions to their disputes. So Dan... With that in mind, and given the current economic climate and issues flowing from the COVID-19 pandemic, what do you think about the arbitrability of corporate insolvency disputes in Australia? Yeah, it's a great question, Rob. Um, Insolvency disputes have traditionally been held to be non-arbitrable, but again, we have to be careful not to cast the net too wide. 
There isn't a blanket ban on the arbitration of disputes simply because there may be some connection to insolvency-related issues. In the corporate insolvency context, it is really just those disputes which raise pure insolvency issues which are generally found to be non-arbitrable. For example, the adjudication of whether a company is insolvent, and in some cases the resolution of some voidable transaction claims, are usually the types of disputes which are reserved for the courts. That's a good point, Dan. Thinking of the types of cases we see all the time, for the most part, they are just generally commercial disputes, albeit they might arise in an insolvency context. But this isn't the same as saying they are insolvency disputes or disputes about insolvency issues. Exactly. There aren't many cases around which go to this issue, but there does appear to be a familiar type of movement towards arbitrability. A great example of this is the 2002 ACD Trident case. As is not uncommon in member oppression proceedings, a winding up order was sought as one of the prayers for relief. The relevant application before the court sought a stay of the proceedings on the basis that the relevant shareholders agreements and other contracts contained arbitration agreements. The court held that while there are public policy considerations which might operate against referring to arbitration, a determination to wind up a company, so long as wide language was afforded to an arbitration agreement, there was no general prohibition against referring claims to arbitration merely because they arose under the Corporations Act. The relevant question is not whether an arbitrator could be empowered to exercise the powers of the court, but rather whether it is competent for the parties to agree with each other to empower an arbitrator to exercise those powers. That case was also interesting as the court ultimately went on to appoint the arbitrator already selected by the parties as a referee under the New South Wales Civil Procedure rules so that the same person could then determine all issues in dispute. And I have seen other examples of the courts in Australia increasingly taking a commercial and liberal approach to the issue of arbitrability of disputes in a corporate insolvency context. For example, the recent Hydrox Holdings case concerned whether disputes arising from the master's hardware store's collapse were arbitrable so as to support a stay of proceedings. There, the Federal Court of Australia noted that modern courts were unlikely to accept any broad brush statements that disputes arising from the Corporations Act were not arbitrable. Yes, and the court went on to also note there was nothing special about the Corporations Act in particular which would distinguish it from other legislation such as the Trade Practices Act. With the exception of requiring the court to form an opinion as to whether the plaintiff in that case was entitled to a winding up order, the questions of fact and law which mark out the substantive controversy between the parties were all arbitrable. That's right, Dan. And this seems to mirror the type of progression towards greater arbitrability of corporate insolvency disputes outside of the US. The position there means you really have to look at the type of dispute first to figure out whether it truly does raise issues of public policy or infringe upon the exclusive domain of the court before ruling it non-arbitrable. Yes, though finding the dividing line is, is not always easy in practice and there are still examples of a more pro-arbitration approach sitting alongside examples of the more traditional position towards arbitrability. I would say that as we start to see more corporate insolvency cases come to the courts, there will be an increasing need to consider whether those disputes are truly arbitrable and where that dividing line should be. Hmm. 
It'll be interesting to see how far the movement towards the arbitrability of claims under the Corporations Act, for example, extend, and whether key stakeholders, such as registered insolvency practitioners, pursue arbitration as an effective alternate dispute resolution mechanism. While I think we should start to see arbitration feature more heavily in the disputes which arise in a corporate insolvency context, there will always be issues, such as whether a company is insolvent and should be wound up, which will remain too closely connected to matters of public policy and are unlikely to be arbitrable anytime soon. It's always going to depend on the nature and circumstances of the particular dispute. It's hard to see claims to unwind a docker, for example, being sent off to arbitration, but there are plenty of commercial disputes commenced by liquidators which could definitely benefit from what arbitration has to offer. That's right. I think what this does is really highlight the need to think about the impact external administration may have on existing arbitration agreements, or whether arbitration might be an appropriate vehicle to reach a commercial resolution. And it's also important to be thinking about these issues, not just when a dispute arises, but when drafting an arbitration agreement. It's always necessary to consider the risk of proceedings in different jurisdictions and the consequences of this on, for example, the enforceability of awards, liability and costs, and also which laws will apply. Well, it seems we might only be scratching the surface in the time we have now, but it'll be great to hear from our listeners what your thoughts on the arbitrability of corporate insolvency disputes and insolvency are, and whether you would consider arbitration under those circumstances. So please do reach out to us, and we can keep the discussion going. Next time on Clever Chances Australian Arbitration Podcast Series, we will be looking at third-party funding in arbitrations. Thank you, everyone. You have been listening to the Clever Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cleverchance.com and follow us on LinkedIn. The content of this podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. Specific legal advice about your specific circumstances should always be sought separately before taking any action.